Well, there's more than 15 deals still to be completed with two full days to go. Joining us is AFL.com's Riley Beveridge. Riley, thanks for your time. We'll get to the trade news, but you broke some news. How good's that? <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. Um, <laughs> it's important, I think, to, to caveat this story with the fact that it's not definitive. It's not a final fixture. It's just been floated to clubs for feedback. So they'll assess their options over the coming weeks. But it's certainly an option for the AFL that they've now floated with clubs uh, within the last week that... Yeah, that's standalone two fixtures in Sydney before the full complement of games the following weekend to kick off the season. I think it's uh, a core part of new CEO Andrew Dillon's strategy to grow the games in the northern markets and to get more blockbuster games in the northern markets as early as possible in the season. And this would certainly be a way of doing that and trying to spotlight on New South Wales for that, that, that opening weekend. Or is it more we cut their lunch for gather round and this is the payback? Because AFL's good at that. I'm not so sure. I mean, Gather Round's great, and I know Sydney had a massive play for it, but I don't think this is payback for that. I think South okay. Australia won that fair and square. Right. <laughs> Schultz to Collingwood, the only move today? A couple, actually. So Biggie Newen also went to North Melbourne okay. earlier in the day, which was, uh, I mean, it was a smaller move, and it was a depth move for North Melbourne just to, to add some more key defensive depth into their backline stocks. But it was interesting in the sense that they actually wanted to do this. Biggie Newen was a free agent. And they wanted to do this last week, but they couldn't get over the line because it would have diluted their compensation uh, that they got for Ben Mackay. So it would have pushed pick three back a fair few spots had they got him as a free agent. So they ultimately had to do it to trade. But yeah, you're right. Lockie Schultz, certainly the headline maker of today. So he joined uh, Collingwood on an, what is an initial four-year deal. It's got a trigger for a fifth season. And I like the way this one panned out because the Pies knew they had to pay a premium price and they just gave it up. They got the player they wanted. So they gave up a a future first-round pick next year and pick 34 to land Lockie Schultz, who's going to add a lot to their forward line next year. Quite amazing. And uh, young Liam Henry, that trade to St Kilda for uh, getting a uh, future second-round pick, was that about where it should have landed? Well, it's what Fremantle wanted all along. So David Walls, Freo's list boss, came out the first day of the trade period when he did his media duties and said that he wanted to, he assessed Liam Henry, given the fact he was a former top 10 pick, but he was uncontracted. He thought an early second round pick probably was his fair market value. And ultimately, St Kilda gave up a future second round pick. So I'll wait and see where that falls next year. But that's about his market value. They also swapped fourth round picks in that deal. So, uh, yeah, I reckon that's probably for a player that, that hasn't played much senior footy, but came on really well this year and started to show why he was a top 10 pick. The contract status is obviously important here, but for all of those factors combined, I reckon a future second probably suits it. Hey, Riley, we've got a, a text coming on a unique Homestyle Foods text that said, uh, news from Melbourne is Port has incensed other clubs by procrastinating, but Essendon and Geelong asking way overs is the issue, not Port's procrastinating. How's it being seen over there at the moment, those, those two unmovable deals? <laughs> well, yeah, it's a funny one because... I mean, Port just have so much to do. I don't think Port Adelaide necessarily is holding anyone up, though. So Port Adelaide obviously wants deals for Brandon Zerk-Thatcher from Essendon, Sava Radigalia from Geelong, Ivan Soldo from Richmond, and Jordan Sweet from the Western Bulldogs. I don't think any of those clubs that they're dealing with at the moment then have uh, things to do after that, or they're certainly not waiting for deals to get done as a result of those, those four deals. They're, they're sort of seen in isolation. So I don't think, if you want to use the word procrastinating, I think they're just holding out for fair market value. But... I don't think their uh, procrastination, for want of a better word, is actually holding up too much stuff with the other clubs they're dealing with. It's going to go right down to the wire, though, given that I think that there's still a bit of haggling to work out in regards to whether or not it's a straight swap, Dersma for Zerk Thatcher. 
Um, they just don't have much else they can give beyond 25 to Geelong for a star for Radicalia. Ivan Solo's got another year left on his contract, and then Jordan Sweet, the Bulldogs, is a player that he wants to retain. So, yeah, there's a lot to play out there, Port Adelaide. They're going to be probably the most fascinating of, the, of all the clubs going into the last 48 hours of this trade period. Well, do you think Dersma for Zerk Thatch is a, a, a win-win straight swap, Riley? Uh, personally, I, I think Essendon might have to give up a little bit more here. Correct. I think the fact that I think the fact that uh, Dersma is still contracted for another season, um, he certainly had a few form and fitness issues over the last couple of years. But I think he saw in his first sort of twelve, twenty-four months of senior footy just what he could provide if he got a clean run at it. So I think the fact he's contracted, the fact that Dirk Batch has only just played fifty games and hasn't necessarily before this year been a mainstay in that Essendon backline, and that he's uncontracted. I think he'd probably want a little bit more. I think that's where the haggling probably is at the moment. Trigger Harrison Petty just has to say to Melbourne, I want to go to the Crows because he doesn't care. That deal won't get done. I, I just don't think, it, regardless of what he says now, Melbourne's going to let him go. They've been okay. so adamant the whole the way through the trade period that he is untouchable. He's got two years to run on that contract. And I don't get the sense that Harrison Petty's going to um, slam his fist on the table and say, I want to move right now. I don't get the sense that he's going to do that. I think there's been conversations between Petty and Melbourne officials around his spot in the team and just how valuable he's seen at Melbourne going forward. So, yeah, I don't think that any movement's going to happen there. I think he'll be a Melbourne player for at least 2024. Okay. Crows into anyone else? What are you hearing? Uh, no, not necessarily. I think um, what's going to be interesting from an Adelaide perspective is whether or not they receive an offer from GWS for Elliot Himmelberg that's too good to turn down. I think initially the Crows' position was that they wanted key position depth before allowing Himmelberg to leave, and he's contracted, so they don't have to let him leave if they don't want to. And the fact that Mubby or Chol requested a trade to, to Hawthorne and not Adelaide, and the fact that Harrison Petty's proved too difficult to rent out of Melbourne, I think GWS has to stump up with an offer that's almost too good to turn down. Otherwise, Adelaide's just going to say, no, nah, look, we're keeping him for his mm. final year. His contract is a free agent next year, and we'll assess the situation then. So that's really the only thing that has left to go for Adelaide. Obviously, the Shane McAdam deal, we all know, is likely to go through given his contract status, depending on what uh, Melbourne ultimately parts with. But but Alec Himmelberg's the real fascinating one there for me. Okay, and Elijah Hollands, the Crows into him. They 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 need some midfield depth and class. I do think they're they're one midfielder short. Adelaide of being a genuine elite team in the competition, but it won't be Elijah Hollands. I think he's got two clubs on his radar. Either he goes to Carlton or he stays at Gold okay. Coast. I don't think there's necessarily anything. Um, there's nothing certainly happening at the Suns at the moment that would suggest that, that Holland just wants to depart the football club. I think he's only going for the right opportunity. That's been presented to him by Carlton. Now they just need to haggle over a deal mm. there. But no, I don't think there's any interest in Holland from okay. the Crows. Any relation to Luke, Riley? <laughs> I get asked this more than any any other question in my life, but no, no relation. Okay. Completely separate. <laughs> you, you, you don't skateboard or have big, big, big um, biceps? I used to skateboard after about year 12, I reckon I gave that up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Riley, we had a question earlier on the talk back just asking, you know, why doesn't, you know, uh, the recruiting guys go after five people that are in that, that certain position that they're after? Is it a case of they do feel them out and they sort of get uh, – because they've got to have interest. If, you, if you're going anywhere near a trade, the player has to have interest, doesn't he? So I'd imagine that they do approach several – and then get that uh, feeling of, yes, there's a chance, or no, there's not. Well, yeah, and you're, you're exactly right there in the sense the interest has to be reciprocated from both parties before you pursue a move. So, I mean, 
everyone always sees the the 10 days of the trade period mm. and what we've seen over the last fortnight going into Wednesday night. But in reality, the trade period starts for clubs before round one. Uh, clubs are doing their due diligence. Clubs are having conversations around uh, which players and which areas of the field they need strengthening in before round one even starts. And they're, they're contacting managers. They're contacting uh, teams and, and wondering whether or not certain players are available. They're doing their work one, two, three years in advance. So they would have a short list. It would get whittled down to one or two names by the time the trade period ultimately starts after the grand final. And, and I think quite often you see that where clubs don't have plan Bs in the trade period because they've, they've done the work and assessed who would be the plan B through the year and they get their plan A and they target that player. So this two-week period is a culmination of sort of 12 months of work for clubs and it goes into it here. So that's why you don't necessarily see too many late surprises mm. once the trade period actually rolls around because all the work's already been done. Done. Yeah, I've figured as much. Hey, yeah, thanks for that excellent explanation of it, Riley. On Friday, Jay Gresham got uh, it got to the Bombers from the Saints. Um, reportedly around that sort of 800k mark and, and Rowie was having a little conniption here, but I said, well, I think we're going to have to get used to these numbers because that is the future of where numbers are going to go because you've got to spend 95% of your the salary cap this year. Uh, I know they're being told by Laura Kane, get the, get the uh, purse out because <laughs> this has mm. to happen and we know where the money's going with the future TV deal. Yeah, and the cap's only going up with the, with the, as you mentioned, the TV deal and the CBA that was recently negotiated to go mm. through 2027. So the cap's going to steadily increase over the next little period. So... That's why we've been saying over the last couple of months that the, the number of multi-million dollar players or the number of players that are on a million dollars a year is just going to rise exponentially. I mean, I think at the moment this year there was only 12 players on a bill uh, for the season, but I reckon by, by 2027 that's going to double or triple because there's just going to be uh, the need to increase salary spending and the need to increase that cap so you fill your whole cap. So, yeah, I think we're going to see bigger deals, but with free agency it's important to remember that it's based on what the average earning is that year. So just because the, the prices aren't going up doesn't mean it's going to get easier to get compensation. It's all weighted against what the average salary is for that season. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out and just how many $1 million players will have in the competition by 2027 when that next CBA ends. Riley, great work. Thanks for your time. No, thank you. Appreciate it. Good work. AFL.com's senior reporter, Riley Beveridge, our guest.